Okay, if you if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Philippians chapter one. Still in Philippians. I'm gonna pray as you guys are turning there. Father, we love you. God, we come before you today, and I just ask that you'd be with us today as we study your word. Lord, be with us as we uh, we read what you have for us today. God, read uh, what you've given, uh, your inspired holy word, Lord, that uh, is uh, applicable to us today in our daily life as we uh, as we go about uh, trying to serve you, trying to be who you called us to be. We pray, Lord, that you would empower us by your spirit uh, to not only hear your word, but to be doers of your word as well. God, we thank you for what you're going to do, and we thank you already for uh, uh, the entire day, Lord, that we get to just feast on on who you are and uh, feast on the word that you've given us, and we thank you for that, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so we're still in the introduction of Philippians, still in the very very beginning. Last time, if you remember, if you were here, we talked about what it means to be a servant, what it means to be a saint. He said uh, at the very beginning, he said, Paul and Timotheus, servants of Jesus Christ, saints to the... Saints uh, to the saints in Christ Jesus, which are uh, at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Uh, So we talked about that a little bit last week. We talked about what it means to be in Christ. And uh, uh, the next part of this uh, introduction, we're probably not going to get further than the introduction today. But the next part of the introduction, he gives them. Basically, he just tells them why he's praying for him. He tells them that he's praying for them, that he loves them, that he is thankful for them. And uh, and he's thankful uh, for their fellowship in the gospel. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what it means to have fellowship, to have fellowship in the gospel. Uh, as we read these verses, I want you to hear Paul's heart. Uh, we're just going to read verses three through eight. And uh, hear, hear how much he loves these people and uh, hear how much uh, the people loves him. We're going to talk to we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we read it. So in verse three, I'm just going to read three through eight. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy uh, for your fellowship. This is why he is thanking God for them, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day Until now, all the way up until where he's at, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me, it means it's right, it's good for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Let's stop right there. He tells us about his prayer after that, and we'll, we'll get to that. But there's a, if you read those verses with me and you walk through them, my Bible's not staying right here. Uh, you could you could see Paul's heart. He he loved them. He was he was so thankful for them. There's other letters in the New Testament where Paul is writing, and you know you think of Galatians when you know it was kind of a hard deal for him. He says, "Look, I'm marveling that y'all are even you know what are y'all doing?" And he goes through Corinthians uh, chastising them, and he goes through Galatians talking about them leaving the gospel. And but here in Philippians, he says, "Look, I'm so thankful for you." I'm so thankful you guys have been a blessing to me because from the very first day, from the very first day until right now, today, we know that Paul was writing from prison. He was writing from uh, uh, his his arrest in in Rome. And, you know, they weren't sure 
If he was going to get out alive, he wasn't sure if he was going to get out alive. He's going to say later in this letter, I'm, I'm hoping to come to you, but you know, we, we don't ever know. We didn't know what God had planned for him, but he knew that whether he lived or died, he was in Christ and it was all good. We're going to see that in this letter as well. But he was so thankful for them that from the very first day, from the very first day, all the way up until now, as he's writing this letter, They were fellowshipping with him in the gospel. They were partakers with him in the gospel. Uh, Paul was in need. Uh, These were not just words that the Philippians sent to him. You know, hey, Paul, we're with you. We're thinking about you. It's all good. Uh, Paul was in, in jail. And, you know, just think about his situation. At the time he's sitting, can't go anywhere. There were people that were coming to him. He was being able to minister to people there in Rome and all that. But at the same time that he was in jail, there were heretics coming in and out of the church. They were coming. He had to write letters to Colossians. He had to write letters to the Galatians to, uh, to combat these heretics. There were people in, in Corinth that were uh, denying that he was even an apostle. He had to defend his own apostleship in 2 Corinthians and, and things of that nature. There were enemies that looked like they were surrounding everybody. Persecution was on the rise. Everything, was, uh, everything looked like it was going wrong. There wasn't, uh, didn't have a clue whether he would ever get out of jail or whether what would happen or what was going on. And so, you know, Paul kind of needed, uh, I'm thinking he kind of needed just to see some fruit. You know, you ever think about it, people that pour themselves, pour their life into you, or pour their life out in discipleship to help you or to minister to you or to do whatever. Sometimes they don't want to get paid. They don't want to get patted on the back. They don't want to get thanked. They don't want to get any of those things. They do it for Christ Jesus. But sometimes it's good just to see a little fruit of that. Sometimes it's good to see, you know, that that person was helped. By God working through me. That person was helped by me trying to pour my life into them. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean I need a reward or something like that, but just to know that God is, God is working through you and God is doing something. Now we know that the word of God doesn't ever return void. So I'm not saying that, you know, that uh, when you, when you don't see that it's not good or it's not happening or anything like that, but don't it make you feel good? It don't make you feel good like it encourages your heart when you when you pour into somebody and you see, you know what? God used that and he's he's using me like a tool. I mean, it's not like I'm so awesome or anything, but he he chose to use me. Somebody as broken as me. Paul needed to see that. And he saw that in these Philippians. They were writing him letters. They were sending uh, Epaphroditus. We're going to see that in a minute. Uh, They were sending help to him. They helped him from the very beginning of the gospel all the way up until now. And he was so thankful for that. Can you imagine all the people that were coming against Paul? I mean, he's sitting in jail. He's got the, you know, got the government against him, I'm sure. But he's got the, the heretical people that are saying that his gospel is not correct. He's got the, the, the people that are coming into the church trying to lead uh, other people out of uh, the gospel, out of the truth. All this going on. But he's got these folks right here that he says, you know what? In the midst of all this, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you guys are with me. I'm so thankful that you are fellowshipping with me in the gospel. I'm so thankful that I can look and I can see the fruit of God in you. I can see what he's doing. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at these things. And the the Philippians here were a blessing to Paul. And what we're going to do, what I hope to do today is I want you to see what they did, who they were, and it's going to be an example for who we're called to be in Christ. It's going to be an example as far as fellowshipping in the gospel, as far as uh, investing ourselves in the body of Christ and uh, bringing people to the lost and and strengthening the brethren. It's going to be an example to us. And I've got three questions that I'm going to ask and I'm going to answer from the text. 
I got three questions. The first question is, why was Paul so thankful? And the second one is, why did he thank God for the Philippians? Seemed like he would have been thanking the Philippians. And the third one is, why does he do it with joy? I mean, he's, why does he pray for them with joy? We saw that in the text. So let's take them one at a time, and I want to kind of explain where we're going as we go through this. Y'all with me? Everybody awake? All right, good. Why was he so thankful? The answer he gives us right there in the text. He said he's thankful for their fellowship in the gospel. It says, always in every prayer of mine, verse 4, making requests with joy. He, for, 3 says, I thank my God upon every member of you, always in every prayer of mine for making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. When you think of the word fellowship, what usually comes to mind is we're going to hang out. We're going to have coffee. We're going to, you know, we come into my house and eat supper. We come in to play cards and, you know, and in a sense, that's fellowship. I'm not saying it's not, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. That, that is fellowship. I mean, you're having fellowship with each other. But Paul has a, has a more, more uh, deep meaning, a deeper meaning here. He's talking about fellowship in the gospel. He's talking about striving for a common goal together. He's talking about you locking arm in arm with each other, with someone with you, with someone with the same like purpose, same like mind of one accord, and you striving for the goal. You striving for whatever it is you're reaching for. In this, in this context, he's talking about the gospel. Now, think about this for a minute. These guys were a thousand miles away. Paul was sitting in a jail in, in Philippi, I mean, in Rome, and the Philippians were a thousand miles away. And he says, I thank my God for your fellowship even now. He says, I thank my God from the first day, the the fellowship that we have in the gospel, from the very first day all the way up until right now. They're a thousand miles apart, but they were still in fellowship with each other. They were sending help to Paul. They helped him along his journey. They helped him minister. They helped him preach the gospel. They gave him him encouragement. They strengthened him. They sent him help when he needed it. They were with him in the mission. They were with him in one accord, striving for the gospel. Now, did it mean they gave him money sometimes when he needed to go to a different city? Yes. Did it mean they prayed for him and they ministered to him when he was in need? Yes. Did it mean they strengthened him when he got down and frustrated and tired and all those things? Yes. They, they fellowshiped with him in such a way that they were partakers of his grace. That's what he said. You're partakers with me in the defense of the gospel. That's what it says in verse, uh, my Bible keeps falling. It says, uh, in verse seven, because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my bonds as he's in jail and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. They were with him. He was thankful for them. It, they were striving together with him. They were we talk about fellowship in the gospel here in this context. What we're talking about is them investing themselves, them sacrificing themselves them doing whatever it takes, whatever's necessary to see the gospel go forward, to see people's lives change, to strengthen and exhort the ones who are working to uh, build each other up, to sharpen each other like iron sharpens iron. They weren't just coming and hanging out and drinking coffee. They weren't just coming and being in the same room together and hanging out and going home. He's talking about pouring out their lives, pouring out their everything that they had in order to for the mission of the gospel to go forth. When he says they fellowship with him in the gospel from the first day to now, 
He was saying that, look, everywhere that I went, every time that I did something, you were right there with me. It doesn't mean they didn't follow him all over the known world every time he went. But every time, every time they found out that he had a need, they ministered to that need. Every time that they found out that he was hurt or that he was beat or that he was stoned, they ministered to that need. Even when they were a thousand miles away, they found out Paul was in prison. What they do, they sent Epaphroditus with a gift. For him. We don't know what the gift was, and we'll talk about that as we get into Philippians, but it doesn't matter. They, they aided him in, in, in so many ways. Uh, if you just look at the beginning of the Philippian church, the first thing that they did, if you go to, don't turn there, but if you go to Acts 16, you can see the, the beginning of the Philippian church. Paul went into Philippi for the very first time. The first three people that he ministers to are converted. You got Lydia, the seller of purple. You got the demon possessed girl that was following him around yelling. These are the ones that bring salvation. Uh, and you got the jailer where the earthquake happened and the jailers converted both Lydia and the jailer immediately after they're converted. They opened their homes to Paul. He went to Lydia's home and that's where the church began. The jailer took him out of jail, brought him to his house, which is kind of weird when you think, I mean, can you imagine the jailer's wife saying you brought who home a prisoner from the jail? Really open their homes to him. And then when Paul left the city, they gave to his mission. They ministered to him. Look over in Philippians chapter four. Let me just read this real quick to you. Philippians chapter four. Verse 14, we'll get to it eventually, but this is what he's talking about. It says, notwithstanding, you have done well, or you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. You ministered to me. Now you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, Philippi is in Macedonia, when he departed the area, no church communicated with me as concerning giving, receiving, but you only. So when he left the city, when he left the region, they communicated to his, they, they helped him, they ministered to him. And then it says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. You sent again help when I needed it. He says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He says, but I have all and abound and am full. What he's in Rome now, having received of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, even now as he's sitting in, in, in Rome, a Roman jail, they helped. They sent a minister to him, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. They weren't just sitting around hanging out with Paul. They weren't just sitting around going, you know, this world really stinks. If only we could get this done or that done. They had their hands to something. They had their hands to the work that Paul was doing. Now, that they were there in Philippi and we can see them minister and we can see the church grow. So we know that they were working where they were, but they were also fellowshipping with Paul, ministering, had their hands to the plow, working to see the gospel uh, put forth, working to see that Paul was strengthened. You know, Paul, we, we tend to think of Paul as a superman sometimes, like he could just handle it all. But there were times when he got down. There were times when he got frustrated, times that he got angry. Times that, you know, you see through Acts that he was, he was hurt and they were, they were with him. He knew that there was fruit. There was fruit there that the gospel was going forth and they were not just hanging out at potlucks. They had their hands to the plow and they were pouring their life out so that Paul could minister. They were pouring their life out. Let's say it this way. So that, 
so that they could minister to Paul, so that they could minister. They were locked arm in arm, standing shoulder to shoulder with Paul, and they were fighting for the gospel. They were sacrificing for the gospel. They were pouring their their life out for the gospel. They were working for the gospel. They weren't just sitting around talking. They weren't, you know, Paul is in Thessalonica and nobody helped him. Now he's in Rome. They weren't just saying, call me if you need me, Paul. I'll be here if you need anything. Just holler. If I can do anything, just let me know. No, they weren't doing that. They were, they were, they were sending. I know what he needs because I've seen what he needs. We're going to send what he needs. I know. I mean, how would you feel in jail? Hanging out for something you didn't do. You knew that it was for the gospel's sake. You knew that it was Christ working. God told him in Acts that he would go to Rome and that he would preach the gospel to kings and the emperor and all those things. So he knew why he was there. But at the time he was there, he said everybody left him. He was there all by himself. Everybody had abandoned him. But these Philippians sent a gift to him. We don't know what it was. It could have been money, but I mean, he really wouldn't have much use for money sitting in a, in a Roman jail, but it was, it was the gift of knowing that there were people with him. It was fellowship with each other. It was being united together. It was his, it was his church family, his gospel family. There were people that were with him that said, you know what, when you suffer, I'm going to suffer. When you rejoice, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to pour myself into your life in such a way that whatever it is that you go through, I'm going to go through. Whatever it is that you need, I'm going to do all I can to supply that need. Whatever it is that I can do to minister to you as the gospel goes forth in both of us, that's what I'm going to do. It didn't have anything to do with them hanging out or just saying, you know what, we're in the same proximity. We had some good fellowship when we were drinking tea or whatever. That's fine. I've already said there's nothing wrong with that. And that is fellowship. I'm not saying it's not. But here, what Paul's talking about is I'm thankful for you because every time I was in need, every time I was down, every time I was frustrated, every time I was tired, you were there to pick me up. You were there to walk alongside me. You were there. They were a thousand miles away. So we're not saying that they ran over to his house every time he needed something. But he understood that they were there with him. In the fight, in the fight for the gospel, in the fight to, to bring the kingdom of God, to minister the kingdom of God to people, to bring people into the kingdom of God, I should say. They were, they were with him. They were there. They invested themselves to, to disciple others, to, to evangelize, to, to strengthen each other. And they were doing it for the gospel. It wasn't just hangout fellowship. He says, I'm thankful for your fellowship in the gospel. I'm thankful for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day all the way up until now. It's not, you know, I'm thankful for what you did 10 years ago. It's a good thing. I appreciate that. And I'm still, I'm still riding on that a little bit. No, he said, I'm thankful that you helped me the first day I left. You helped me while I was gone. And even now I'm writing this letter to you because you don't send help again. You have been with me. You have communicated to my needs. You have uh, joined me in fellowship of the gospel. He's going to say later in this letter that the reason I'm here is to preach the gospel. The reason I'm here, you know, the Caesar's household has heard the gospel because I'm here. You know, they were they were ministering to him. They were encouraging him. They were they were showing him, Paul, what you've done is not in vain. We're with you. They were investing their lives. They, this fellowship was locking arm in arm and striving for a common 
purpose. What's the purpose really of your life? What's the purpose of our lives? I mean, if you think about it, does it have anything to do with the kingdom of God at all? Does it have anything to do with the gospel going forth? Does it have anything to do with restoration of those brothers who are, are frustrated, tired, whatever they may be? Does it have anything to do with strengthening one another, iron sharpening iron? Does it have anything to do with building up your brethren? Does it have anything to do with bringing people into the kingdom of God? More than likely, you can look around and everybody's purpose is pretty much just to have, have as much fun as we possibly can. You know, I work the, the days that I work and when I get off, I'm just going to enjoy myself. I'm going to relax. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to enjoy the football game yesterday. I'm going to, I ain't going to say nothing about that. I'm going to do what I want to do, you know? And if this ministry thing, if this evangelization thing, if this helping one another thing, if that fits into the puzzle of my life and what I got going on, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stick it right where it needs to be, but I'm not going to go out of my way to minister to nobody. I'm not going to go out of my way. That, that's really not my purpose. If somebody came, I've said this before many times, but if, a, if a, it's kind of dumb, but if an alien came to this planet and observed you, observed you for a couple of weeks, what would they say is the purpose of your life? What would they say is the meaning of your life? Don't know nothing about you. All they see is what you do, where you go and what you say. Those, those things, that's all they see. What would they say is the purpose The purpose, our purpose here is to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be part of the body of Christ as it ministers in the world. That means ministering to each other. That means ministering to the lost. That means spreading the gospel. That's really it. You are called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. That means that there are going to be people that need you. There are going to be people that need you to encourage them. It can't be the same people all the time either because you know what happens? Those encouragers get tired. Those encouragers sometimes need to be encouraged. Those people who are always helping, always doing, they get frustrated. They get down from time to time. They have these things go on and they need to be ministered to. The people that you see sitting in these green chairs, we're not here just to sit in the green chairs and hang out for an hour and then go eat at Dairy Queen. We're here to be part of the body of Christ and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ for what he has done for us and to bring other people into that community, to bring other people into the fellowship of the gospel. We're here to invest. Let me ask you this. And I've asked myself the same question, so I'm not pointing no fingers at you that I ain't pointing at me. Paul was thankful for them. Is there anyone that's thankful for you? Is there anyone that you would think, is thankful. You know, they're sitting at home on a Friday night saying, God, thank you so much for Jason or whoever, for you. Thank you. So is there anybody that's thankful like Paul was for them? Anybody that God has used? I mean, is there anybody that's going to say, you know what, whatever he was, you know, Jason was pretty smart aleck. He was quick mouth and kind of mean sometimes. And you know, I could use all kind of adjectives. Most of y'all are supposed to be shaking your head and all by this time, but I don't see nobody doing it. But I sure thank God that he was there when whatever. I don't know if anybody would do that, but I'm saying, is there anybody that would be thankful to God for you? Or do we just come and do our thing, punch our time clock for God? I used to work at Maytag and I hated it. 
It's gone. The factory's gone now. You come in this Maytag factory, and what you do is you stick your little card. You know they got the deal. They're probably digital now or something. But you stick your little card in, and it would it would click it when you stuck it in there, and it would say it would say eight o'clock on your card. If it said eight o two, you're in trouble. You get there before eight, and you click that card, and then I would go to my line. They had you know the factory line. And I would plop my big old butt down in the chair. And for eight hours, I put my little part on my stupid dishwasher. And it was mind-numbing. They wouldn't let you wear any headphones or nothing like that. You just had to sit there all day long. And I got paid. I got paid, basically, for walking in there, clicking my little time card, going and sitting in my chair, and putting my little wire on my dishwasher. All day long. Here they come. It was so boring. It was so mind-numbing. But that's what we think. That's what we think. That's what life is. That's what church life is. As long as I get there at 8 o'clock, I ain't there at 8.02. I'm there at 7.58. As long as I get there and I punch my time card and I sit down where I'm supposed to be and I, pr- and I wait my time, I do my time, and then when I get done, I come and I punch my time clock to go home, I've done exactly what I'm supposed to do. I'm sorry, but that's not fellowship in the gospel. Attendance and just being here is not fellowship in the gospel. You called to be a minister. You called to be, you called to be a witness in the life of the people that are here. You're called to be invested. Most of the time, people that come to churches all over the nation, not, I'm not just talking about y'all. I'm not just singling y'all out. Most of the time, people come all over the nation and they don't know the problems that are going on in people's life around them. They don't know that there's needs over here on the, the third row to the back because they sit right over here and they don't never interact with anybody. They're not in Sunday school. They're not with the people that, that are, are uh, their brothers and sisters in Christ. They're not pouring themselves out for the gospel. They're coming and they're punching their time card, sitting there, sitting there rear end in a chair, just like I did at Maytag. And when time's up and I get the clock out, they clock out and they go on. That's what it means to fellowship in the gospel. I'm sorry, that's not, that's not true. And so when we ask the question, why was Paul so thankful? He was thankful because these weren't people that was just sitting on the sidelines watching him do all the work and then Monday morning quarterbacking the way he did it. They weren't on the sidelines going, you know what, if I was Paul, I probably would have did a little different. I mean, you probably could have done. They were in the fight with him. They were in the fight. They were, they were invested in what he was doing and they were rooting him on. They were cheering him on. They were cheering him on knowing that, you know what, we're invested in this guy. We're invested in strengthening him, encouraging him, being with him. And so we're going we're gonna to root him on. We're going to cheer for him. We're going to pray for him. We're going to minister when he needs something. We're going to make sure we lift him up when he gets down because we're invested in him. We've got an investment. We've poured our life into him. And they've done it to each other as well. I can show you lots of examples in, in the church at Philippi. They weren't just sitting around. They weren't just sitting around going, you know what? It sure could have been better. It sure could have been better the way we, the way, the way this happened and the way that happened. They were invested. They were invested in each other. They were fellowshipping in the gospel. They weren't hanging out drinking tea. They were locked arm in arm and they were marching for the gospel. 
They were marching for the gospel. They're going to, there's lots of different ways to do it. I'm not saying you just got to send your money to somebody that needs it. I'm not saying you just got to, you know, do one thing or another. I'm saying you are called to invest your life in the fellowship of the gospel. You're called to invest your life in the fellowship of the brethren, the, the preaching of the gospel one way or another. You're called to be a sacrifice for him. You're called to work for him. You're called to put your hands into the ground. And get blisters on them and hurt and, and, and all those things for the gospel. You're not called just to watch from the outside and say, wow, that could have been better. You're called to work. And so that's what, that's what, that's what being a Christian is. It's the gospel. Fellowship and the gospel, we're called to work for it. We're called to, 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 uh, to share it, to, to, to live in it, to rest in it, to spread it, to, to, to work in each other through it, to, to uh, show it forth as we show each other, uh, encourage each other and do those things. I'm kind of repeating myself, but you understand, that's why he was thankful. He was thankful for them because they weren't just sitting on the sidelines. They were in the fight with him. He's thankful. But why was he thankful to God for them? I mean, you're thinking, if I'm thinking, I'm like, if, if you help me, I'm going to be thankful for, to you. Be like, man, thank you for helping me. But notice Paul said in verse three, he said, man, I hate not to give me a bookmark or something. Says, I thank, who does he thank? I thank my God every time I remember you. Paul never remembers you. Always in prayer, in my every prayer of mine for all, make a request with joy. I thank my God. Now, that really don't need much explanation. You and I both know the answer why he thanks God. It's because God is the one who changes hearts. God is the one who places the new heart in us that desires to serve him, to live in the gospel, to strive for the gospel, invest in the gospel. To be honest with you, I've come to the realization that I can stand up here for 45 minutes and I can yell and I can scream and I can show you point after point and make a really good case why you should invest your life in each other and in the preaching of the gospel in your own life. But I've come to the realization that, you know what, I can do it till I'm blue in the face and you're not going to change. I'm not going to change. Nobody's going to change. It's not just y'all, anybody. Not until the Holy Spirit has an encounter with your heart. You're not going to, I'm not going to be able to talk you into it. I'm not going to be able to convince you this is what you need to do. I can say, hey guys, we're supposed to invest ourselves. We're supposed to strive with each other. We're supposed to work with each other, fellowship with each other in the gospel. It's not going to make a hill of beans. It's not going to matter not one bit until the Holy Spirit takes that heart and changes it from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. It doesn't matter what I say. doesn't matter what I do. But it's the preaching of the gospel that the Holy Spirit uses. So I'm not saying, well, I'm getting tired and I'm not going to do it anymore. God is going to use the preaching of his gospel. But until God regenerates that heart, I mean, I can tell you step by step what you're supposed to do and it ain't going to matter. It ain't gonna matter. You're gonna go home as soon as you leave here. Gonna go to Dairy Queen. Gonna go take a nap this afternoon. Nothing wrong with that. I'm gonna take a nap too, I hope. But nothing's gonna change. And that's why Paul says, look, Paul's thankful to the Philippians. He's gonna praise them for all the things they've done all the way throughout the letter. But he says, I thank my God. Every time I remember you, you have been with me. You've helped me. And you know what? I thank, I, I thank God. Fellowship in the gospel is a gift from God. And if you're one of these people, there's, there's a lot of, especially us men sometimes, if you're one of these people that says, you know what, I don't need all that. It's all good. I'm just, it's just me 
you know, by myself and I'm good. I don't need nobody. You are fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. That's not the way God designed this to work. It's not the way God designed it to be. I told you earlier, Paul, you know, sometimes we think of the apostle Paul and you read all the things and acts that he did and that he had to suffer. And you think sometimes you think he's a superman. He can do anything. He was never down, never whatever. But that's just not true. He was frustrated sometimes. He was down sometimes. He was, he was, he was tired. He was angry. You know, at least twice. I know of two times that God had to come to Paul in a vision and say, Paul, take courage. Don't stop speaking. I've got people in this city. You stay with the stuff. You keep on doing what I've called you to do. At least twice. I know it might be more. Today in our Sunday school, we're going to be talking about in Acts where Paul kind of lost it for a minute. Where the uh, Paul's ready, got his, you know, I'm thinking he's got his tie on. He's got his, he's looking good. He goes into the Sanhedrin to, you know, to kind of make his case. And he starts off just like he'd always done before. Men and brethren, I've always had a good conscience before God. And the high priest orders him struck and whacked right across the mouth. And he loses it for a minute. He said, God's going to strike you. you. I mean, he just gets mad. Paul was just like you, just like me. There were times when he got down, times when he got frustrated, times when he needed to see the fruit of what was going on, needed to see that God was working, gospel was going forth. And that's going to be his clarion call throughout this book is that no matter what happens to me, the gospel's going forth, the gospel's advancing, the gospel's going out. And that was his purpose in life. And that was the Philippians purpose in life. I need to move on because we're running out of time. It was God's fellowship in the gospel, fellowship with each other. That's God's gift to you. That's a gift of God for your strength, for your encouragement, for your service to him. And finally, why does he do it with joy? He said, I thank my God on every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. He's in jail. Why is he so joyful? Philippians is filled with joy. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice, rejoice, rejoice in your sufferings, rejoice in these things. I can do all things in Christ. It's filled with all these things. Why is he so joyful when he remembers them, when he prays? The answer is in verse six, where it says, I'm confident. There's a lot of things I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this prison. I don't know if you're ever going to be, you know, if you're if you're going to get out of the suffering that you're going through. I don't know if, uh, you know, there's enemies that are coming that are lining up against the church. Persecution uh, persecution is, is beginning now on a widespread scale. Uh, all kind of things are going on. The Philippians are like, Paul, if you die, how are we going to make it? I mean, you're the apostle to this city here. You're the one started this church. I mean, is the church going downhill? Because, I mean, if you die, that's going to affect them in, in all kind of ways. He said, look, I I don't know. He tells us in this letter, I don't know if I'm going to live. I don't know if I'm going to die. I know to live is Christ and to die is gain, so it doesn't matter. But I don't know what's going to happen. But he knows one thing. He said, I'm confident about one thing of this very thing. I know one thing. I'm persuaded about this one thing. He says that the one that began this work in you, the one that began this work in you is going to perform it until the day, until the day of Jesus Christ. I know one thing that I know that no matter what happens, I can pray for you with joy. I can be thankful for you with joy because 
even if it doesn't turn out the way that we want, even if it doesn't turn out the way that we think it should turn out, I know one thing that God is not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to abandon you. You will always be the work of his hands and he will be working in you till the day of Christ Jesus. You see that little preposition? A lot of times we want to, sometimes I quote it wrong. But we want to think that it says God who's begun a good work in you will perform it at the day of Jesus. But it doesn't say that. It says until he's going to be working in you on Monday and then on Tuesday and then on Wednesday. He's going to be working in you day after day. When you get ninety nine point nine years old, when you live, if you live to be one hundred and three on that day, God is going to be working in you. All the way up until the final day of Jesus Christ when he returns in power and glory and all things are made new. He's going to be working in you until until you see him face to face. So you know what? You're going to go through suffering, going to go through tragedy, going to go through all kinds of things. You live long enough, even if you're the healthiest guy to ever live, people around you that you love are getting older and they're going to pass away. You're going to have suffering in this life. Paul himself said through many tribulations, we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. So all these things are going on, but we know one thing for sure. I don't know a lot of things about a lot of things, but there's one thing that I can be confident to be confident of this very thing. The one who began this work in you, the one who gave you this heart that desires to see the gospel put forth, the desires to see the fellowship in the gospel and fellowship of the brethren, that one who gave you this new heart, he is not going to leave you. He is going to work in you all the way up until from day one, all the way up until the last day when you see Jesus Christ face to face. I don't know a lot of things about a lot of things, but I know that he says, I know that. So here's the thing. These Philippians, he was thankful for them, for their fellowship in the gospel, for their partnership with him in the defense of the gospel, the confirmation of the gospel and all that that entailed. He was thankful for them. He was thankful to God for them because it was God who worked in them to will and to do according to his good pleasure. It was God who changed their heart. And then thirdly, he did it with joy because he knew that no matter what happens, you who are invested in this thing. You who have given your hearts to Christ, who are new creatures invested in the gospel and the kingdom of God, have poured your life out, put your body on as a living sacrifice and are having your mind renewed day by day. You guys, God has promised to always be working in you. Always be growing you in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Always be sanctifying you. Always be working so that you grow to understand who he is more and more each day. You grow to understand what he has done for you more and more each day. He's promised that if I have begun that work in you, if I've given you that new heart, that heart of flesh, if I put my spirit in you, you can be sure... You don't know what's going to happen today. You go look at the news. You don't know what's going to happen in the country. You don't know what's going to happen in the county. You, you don't know what's going to happen in your own house, really. You know, we can have a thunderstorm tonight and a tree fall over on your house or blow it away. You know, whatever. A hurricane going on in Florida. You don't know anything about anything. You don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. 
You don't know if your heart's going to last until this afternoon gets here. You, there's so many things that we're uncertain about. But there's one thing that we're never uncertain about. God promised he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And everything that goes on is going to be allowed by his sovereign hand. So I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. I don't have to be, I don't have to be biting my nails all the time wondering how it's going to happen or what's going to happen. I know that the one who began a good work in me, the one who began a good work in you, He's going to complete that work. That work's going to be finished. It's going to be perfected. It's going to be done. And he's going to continue doing it day after day after day. And it's not going to stop all the way up until the day of Christ Jesus. So the question really today for us is, as we close, close is, have you been changed? I mean, it's as simple as that. I can stand up. You know, I got to thinking I was going to talk to you uh, really about fellowship and the gospel. And you know what? You need to you need to come on. What are you doing? But like I said, that's not going to help. Not until you changed. Not until the Holy Spirit comes in your heart. You're going to think clocking in and clocking out is what you're supposed to be doing. And that's it. So the question really is not, come on, guys, let's get together. The question is, when you become a new creature, you're going to be together. You're going to be in fellowship with the gospel. You may not do it perfectly, and God may discipline you when you fail to do it the way he called you to do it. But you're going to be there. You're going to be on the team. You're going to be, you're going to be hands, hands in the dirt cultivating that ground in some kind of way. You're going to be working for the kingdom because the Holy Spirit, that's his purpose. That's the purpose of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are the body. And that is what Jesus's body is doing. It is ministering for the kingdom of God. It is caring for one another, loving one another. It's reaching out for those that are lost that don't know him and, and bringing them into the kingdom of God. That's what the body of Christ is doing. If that's not what you're doing, are you part of the body? The only way, the only way that you will ever have a heart that even remotely desires to do anything that we talked about today is that if you're born again by the Spirit of God. And so today he makes it just as simple as it's always been. Tomorrow, I can't say. It might be all over with. But right now, today's the day of salvation. The door's still open. He says, if you call on me, I'll answer. If you, if you repent of your sin and trust in me, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. I'll save you. I'll make you a new creature.